Fill Your Cup First is a podcast that bridges a gap between what we know about how important self-care is and practicing it in our real lives. Hosted by Amy Hoke and Kimberly Robago, both busy moms and businesswomen with a background in social work. Fill Your Cup First creates a space for women to move self-care out of the good idea for everyone else category to the great idea for me category and to do it with guilt-free confidence. Welcome to Fill Your Cup First, the podcast that puts self-care where it belongs, at the top of your priority list. We're your host, Amy Hoke, and Kimberly Robago, and we're so happy you are with us here today. Today we have Kristen Smith Myers. Kristen is passionate about encouraging individuals and teams to tap into the connection between positivity, productivity, and profitability. In her keynote speeches and pep talk blog posts, Kristen inspires audiences with her practical approach to making small changes with big impact. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, Amy. We're Welcome. so glad. We're so glad you're here today. <laughs> I'm so glad you're doing this podcast. I think the topic is so important. So thank you very much for inviting me as well. So Kristen, we're really interested in if you would share your story with our audience and also how positivity plays a role in your self-care. Okay, I'm happy to do so. So as you mentioned in the introduction, I do have a side business as a speaker and I also write a blog about the connection between positivity and productivity and profitability. I also have a full-time job. I work as Chief Operating Officer for a consulting company two companies actually, sister companies, Creative Restaurant Solutions and Combined Resource Solutions in Exton, PA. And there I am responsible for leading a team and leading our survey division. We conduct a lot of different employment surveys as well as exit interviews and other types of interviews to help our client partners, many of whom are in the restaurant space, chain restaurants, but also in other industries, identify and get the real scoop from their employees. So as a leader, I try to practice positivity on a regular basis, and as a leader, I learned about the connection between positivity and productivity, which of course in a business setting impacts profitability. I also come at the positivity message as wearing a lot of different hats. Um, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, um, my husband is Mike, and my kids Lily and Evan are 12 and 9, so I have a lot of opportunities to practice positivity and a lot of opportunities to mess up positivity. <laughs> <laughs> also, as, uh, as, as everybody, you know, needs some self-care. So I'm happy to talk about that if you'd like in terms of the, the positivity and how it impacts self-care. We would love that. Okay. So when I was thinking about this question, you know, you were kind enough to send me a few notes in advance so I could prepare. And I was thinking about positivity and how it impacts self-care and how it's a form of self-care, in fact. And one of the things that came to me is in the research that I've done, I've done a lot of reading and studying on happiness and on positivity, and that's what led me to teach those classes and talk about those topics. But surprisingly, 40% of our happiness is within our control. 
So the research shows that about 50% is genetic. So everyone has a genetic set point of their happiness. And only about 10% is the circumstances of our lives. So often we think that we will be happier if we just had that better job or found the right person or got out of a relationship or into a relationship or we had a little bit more money. But the research shows that actually that's only about 10% of our happiness. And so 40% of our happiness is within our control. And the way that we do that is through our daily intentional activities and different practices that we take on. It might be a practice of gratitude. It might be finding joy in different circumstances, putting ourselves into a state of flow. There's a lot of different ways that we can do that. And I think many of those positivity activities also align with what you two teach about and have learned about in terms of self-care. And I'd love to discuss that further and learn more from you on that. Mm -hmm. But like all self-care, you know, when you take care of yourself, you're better to help in a better position to help others. And when you, I was just talking with my kids about this this morning because I told them I was going to be on the podcast and my son asked me, you know, if you, what's the best way to make someone happier? And I said, you really can't make someone else happier but what you can do is if you are focused on your own happiness then the happiness of others around you increases and that research is very clear so sometimes it feels very selfish to take time for ourselves mm -hmm. it can take be, feel selfish to be positive and focus on our own happiness but it's really one of the best gifts that we can give other people i really yeah, it's almost like um Oh, like it's an energy that comes off of you and can help people around you. Is that what you mean? Is that what you're referring to? Yes. And when you are in a better mood, those moods are contagious, right? Positive attitudes are contagious. And of course, as I talk about in my workshops, the opposite of that is true. And negative attitudes are contagious. And I found in my years as a new mom, you know, I could really build up a lot of resentment that I wasn't getting time for myself, but I realized I had to make that a priority and I had to ask for what I needed to have. I wasn't using the word self-care at the time, but that's really what I needed. And I learned that if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> and that's right. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. But I realized that just like in the happiness research, you know, if, if I can be happier, then that actually helps other people. And if I take care of my own needs, then I'm in a better position to take care of other people's needs. And it took me a little while to realize that's not selfish, but doing a lot of reading about it and seeing it in my own life has helped me quite a bit on that journey. Mm -hmm. Kristen, yeah, it, it's so amazing. True. It's amazing that that 10% is circumstances of our own happiness that we, I think with social media and FOMO, people feel like they're missing out because everything looks so great on Instagram or Facebook. And then that, I would think that that would be a higher percentage, but I'm, I guess I'm encouraged that it's only 10% because that means we can shift that. Right? Exactly. That's the thing. If 40% is within our control, when I talk about that in some of the, the programs and I learned that in a great book called the how of happiness and the research is, you know, they, they explain the research in that book and it's amazing in the programs that I teach when people hear that, you know, first there's, there's a bit of denial or shock, maybe the same feeling that you are, because we want to blame a lot of other things for our happiness. We want to blame our parents or our family of origin, you know, but a lot of it, or what our circumstances are currently. But when we realize that it's like, oh yeah, 
what can I do differently? And a lot of light bulbs tend to go on when people think about that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What what would you say your number one challenge that you face for practicing regular self-care is in your life? When I first read this question, the first thing that came to mind for me was technology. Mm-hmm. Because I think that it can be a tremendous tool, of course, and can actually help us a lot in self-care, but it also can get in the way. And for me, that takes a couple of different forms. One, like you said, Kimberly, it is the idea of fear of missing out or jealousy that might happen when we see these other people on social media in that case. But also I think technology and being accessible all the time and checking in on other people all the time or you know, being in touch or feeling maybe left out if someone hasn't gotten in touch with us, I feel like that can really steal our time. And for myself personally, it does. So there are times when I might have 30 minutes that I could do something for myself. I could accomplish a goal, I could read a book, I could work on something that is fun or maybe not work, just enjoy something. But I find that all of a sudden, 15 minutes or 20 minutes are gone and I'm just scrolling Facebook. And really what you two are doing or my other friends are doing or other people that I follow on social media are doing really shouldn't impact my happiness. And it's like I'm stealing from myself because I had that time, Mm -hmm. but I'm spending it on something else or I'm checking my phone. And last week I was left the house and realized maybe 30 minutes into our, our trip, we were just taking a little trip. Um, a day trip, and I realized I didn't have my phone. And my first thought was, oh no. And then the next thought was, oh my gosh, what a gift. And <laughs> yeah, I never right. for text messages. I didn't even use the map feature. You know, we had to figure out where we were going otherwise. And I couldn't check email or respond to someone or take a picture. And it was such a treat <laughs> that that felt yeah. like care in and of itself. So I think that the number one challenge I face is putting technology in a higher position than what it deserves to be. Mm. I love that. I mean, we could probably talk through a couple episodes about this. (laughs) Such a good point and and challenge that you bring up. Um, And when you were talking about how you left the house without your phone and all of a sudden you thought, oh no, but then you realized, oh my gosh, what a gift. It's hard for us to remember back to the life before all of this technology, but Luckily, we live that, right? So we we can do that from time to time. But it is hard to balance, like, what is appropriate as far as getting back to someone in a test? And we're always on, right? So what are, like, the kind of um, rules around it? And um, when somebody doesn't get back to us, sometimes, we, like you mentioned, we start to feel bad about that. But is a day okay? Or just like, we're so used to a couple hours or instant response that it's sometimes hard to manage our thoughts around that Mm -hmm. I do the same thing you know I think everyone does we in my day job as I mentioned we conduct a lot of interviews and surveys and we've added text messaging as a way to get in touch with managers who've left their positions because it is a way to get that we can quickly get in touch with people. I saw a text from one of you this morning before I saw an email, right? And we, we just, that's just the way we communicate more frequently. And uh, in relation to that, in our research, I saw that, I think that the statistic was that 95% of all text messages are checked or are read within three minutes of sending. Oh. 
Wow. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. From a business standpoint, it's like, okay, that's the way to get in touch with people. But from a person to person standpoint, I think that's really, it's scary. It's sad. And then I realized though, I'm responsible for how often I check. And so it's setting a boundary of what's the appropriate level. And I'm a person, I like to help people. I want to be known as being responsive. So I'm very tempted to get back to people right away or to always have my phone. But what was really great when I got back on that day is I had missed like one text message and it wasn't urgent. None of the emails that I missed needed a response right away. Of course not. I mean, I'm not doing emergency work, but there's nothing that's really that necessary for me to be in touch, but yet it feels that way sometimes. And so I I have to remember like, this is a tool and they say technology makes a great slave, but a lousy master. But I have to remember that because I can be mastered by technology. And I think a lot of people can. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you said, you know, it's a reminder that we're stealing from ourselves that is such a key point that we are stealing our precious time to check, you know, scroll Facebook for 15 minutes or 10 minutes. It's just, there's no, sometimes there's just no point. It's just, it's just, there's just nothing. And there's other things we could do. Yeah. And it's not fulfilling. Right. So if you do something for yourself and you're present too, because I think the other thing it steals us from is it takes us away from the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. found yourself where all of a sudden you realize maybe one of your children was talking to you, but yet you were on the phone looking at something I posted or, you know, whatever, whoever it might be. And I'll realize all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I just let that happen. And I think it steals from other people and it steals from relationships if we allow it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How do you overcome that challenge each day? Like what, what are you putting into practice to try to decrease that time on technology and that more present time for yourself and your family? I think it's making a really conscious decision about it. Like we're talking about, I don't have my phone at the dinner table or anything like that. I will make sure that even at work, you know, I'll put it, I'll keep my purse far away from me so that I'm not checking all the time. I'll even make a little note on my to-do list at work. Maybe I'll give myself three boxes and I can check three times during the day that I've checked, uh, that I've checked my phone. If it's for, you know, not really work related purposes or something, maybe at lunchtime, I'll see what's happening there. I try to put limits. Sometimes I'll set a timer on my phone before I get on social media so that it's very limited in the time that I'm on. I'll even delete the app sometimes as, you know, just for a couple days or a couple weeks to get off of that pattern or I'll move them Mm -hmm. so that I don't just go to this rote, um, take this rote approach where I automatically am checking because so often it's on autopilot and I'd rather that the autopilot be something else like take a deep breath or look at the sky. But I'll also share with other people that that's my goal. And I find that kids are really good accountability partners because if you tell them you want to uh, put away your phone, (laughs) they'll often listen uh, or they'll, they'll check you on that. I have found, Uh, but my kids don't have phones. So I think it's easier for them at this time to to provide that kind of accountability for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And just realizing I have a choice. Sometimes I'll even say I have a choice and I'm choosing to use my phone right now, or I'm choosing to put my time away and saying it out loud 
even to myself, makes it more concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are great. I love that. Those are great. Those are great. Um, so, Kristen, if you only had five minutes for self-care in your day, how would you fill your cup? <laughs> how would you I do would that? Two things. Oh. If I really need something, um, if I have just a few minutes, the first thing that came to mind for me is I'll give my toenails a fresh coat of Ooh. polish. <laughs> Because I use that super quick dry stuff, so in five minutes I can you know, wipe the polish and go stuff over my toes, take off whatever color I currently have, and, and put a new color on, and it makes me feel good. I remember when my daughter was born 12 years ago, and I you know, was home, and I could finally see my feet again. And I, <laughs> all I want to do is paint my toenails, and I don't get pedicures, and I, you know, I'm sure that would be lovely, but from a time standpoint or a finance standpoint, I don't do that, but this is quick affordable it makes me feel good doesn't have to look perfect but definitely doing my toes is is one if uh, another thought if my toes are fresh and they look good and my toenails <laughs> I would say another thing that feels really good is to set an intention and then complete that so maybe oh. do something just a you know tidy up a little area because I believe as Gretchen Rubin teaches us that outer order creates inner calm mm -hmm. so it might be something like that or just doing something all the way through because as I mentioned I get distracted by technology and I feel like so often we're not mindful so if it's just something that I write down a note like let's say I were to you know write down this afternoon okay it's 2 p.m. and I'm organizing this or it's 2 p.m. and I'm paying these two bills or whatever that is it doesn't sound like self-care but to just be present in that moment and do exactly what I intend to do and finish something feels so good to me yeah. and so that is another way that I can practice self-care in a short period of time and I find that once I do that once for five minutes then I can do it again for five minutes and then I can do another thing and then when I go to do something with my family or for the household or whatever maybe I'm in a more mindful state and I can enjoy it more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I think that sense of accomplishment is so helpful and it just it, it helps with our happiness and then it also, I, I do think it helps with our self-care. We feel better. Like you said, when your outer order, you know, definitely dictates your inner order. So I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I love the one um, thing you said in your one of your recent pep talk blogs, which we'll definitely be sure to mention in our show notes with your website, is you delight the one that you wrote about delight in the little things that you okay. talked about a shirt and the earrings and being matchy matchy and I just I love that I, <laughs> it made me smile and I'm you know just that delight that you felt in that what you were wearing you know so it is these these little things that you talked about I love that blog oh thank you thanks yeah I, but I do think you know there's so many little things that can make us happy and some things are well proven and often work for the majority of people but some are very individualized so for some they don't get a lot of joy perhaps out of what they're wearing and so they're not going to spend a lot of time on that I have found that I really like feeling put together and making outfits I do a lot of consignment shopping that's a great stress reliever for mm -hmm. me and it doesn't strain my budget and it can feel like a lot of fun and a and a good challenge and then to be able to put together a new outfit or when something perfectly matches as you said like for me that feels great and so that is just a nice little happiness boost and when we pay attention to what makes us 
happier, then we can do those intentional activities. So some of them, the, the intentional activities that make us happier are, like I said, prescribed or they're, they're proven to work for most people like gratitude or something like that. But others, when you can identify, like in my programs, I'll say, start the sentence happiness is, and then I have people fill in what happiness is for them. And some other things on my list are like getting a note from a friend or sending a note to someone or eating a Reese's peanut butter cup or (laughs) there's these little things that just make us happy that might not make other people happy, but knowing yourself, I think is so important just like for self care. Yeah. Amy and I talk about that a lot that we are not here to prescribe what type of self care is good for you. We're just here to introduce you to people like introduce our audience to people like you who are doing it the way that works for them and that maybe something might resonate with them um but but Kristen I think Amy and I were probably um on the same uh line with the post because I read that post and I loved the piece about your dad taking you to um to band camp on the motorcycle (laughs) I think there's a book there (laughs) maybe love that um so what was the what is the most surprising thing that you have learned about self care, Kristen, and in all the you know all of the work that you've been doing and and just in your daily living? What is the most surprising thing that really kind of struck you about that? I think it's the fact that it's about framing. It's about how you frame an experience. So if I were this morning, my husband got up early. And I had time before I needed to be up, and I read my book for a few minutes. Now, that can just be something that you do on default, or you can think, oh, well, this is something I'm doing for myself. And I find that when I think this is something I'm doing for myself, I get a lot more enjoyment out of it, and it feels more special. And then when I need to do something for someone else, I'm also less likely to feel resentful because it's being present in that moment. So I think the most surprising thing that I've learned is that it's about how you frame it. If I think I am putting myself first or I am taking care of myself for doing this, and then sometimes it's even a task that doesn't feel very pleasant, but if I think that I'm taking care of myself by doing it. I'm, I'm doing the dishwasher now. I'm unloading the dishwasher now so that the kitchen stays nice the rest of the day or mm-hmm. at least till the next meal. Or, you know, I'm doing this because I will feel better. Um, that has really helped me in a lot of ways. And I think it works for self-care as well, that it's about how you frame it. I completely agree. I think that is so on point um, because you could look at those tasks. Again, um, the dishwashers are great a great um, point. Look at those tasks as, oh geez, here I have to do this again. But really opening it up and seeing fresh clean dishes and knowing that as you put them away, it just is, it's something you're doing for yourself because it's away and it looks nice, but it's also something that you are doing for your family because now they can go and grab a fresh dish dish and get whatever they need for the the day for nourishment. Right. Yep. well, thank you, Kristen. I mean, um, I I think Amy did say earlier, and I totally agree, we could talk to you longer and in more depth and all this stuff, and maybe we'll have you on again soon. I think that everything that you're doing is just so amazing, and um, I know that um, I enjoy talking to you when we have our time to talk together. One of the quotes that you have up in your... Um, website that I saw and I love, and I feel this when I talk with you, um, is Oprah Winfrey's quote is, I see you, 
I hear you and what you say matters to me. And every time I have a conversation with you, I feel that from you. So I just wanted to let you know that. Thank um, you. Where? I agree 100%. <laughs> Thank you. That's kind. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you feel that way. Thank you. So um, as we um, wrap up, I know that you do have um, some information that you wanted to share um, so that we can maybe help you roll this out or, or achieve this. Could you share a little bit about this uh, current mission that you're on? Sure. Thank you. I have a variety of different talks that I give as a keynote speaker or as a facilitator within organizations, but the one that seems to resonate the most and frankly is the most fun to give is a program on the power of positivity. And it is a program that talks about some of the research that I've shared today. We dive into why positivity matters, how it impacts so many parts of our lives, and get into really practical strategies, just as you're doing with your podcast, where we're sharing real life research and real life strategies, as I mentioned, to increase happiness. And I'm on a goal of reaching 1,000 people with that program. I'm up to about 550 so far, and it would be exciting to add more groups. I've facilitated the program for community groups. I've facilitated it in corporate settings. I've had large audiences, and I've had smaller audiences. And it's just something that I'm really passionate about, and it's fun to have a goal. And one of the things that I've read is that when you have a goal and you can be concrete, then you're more likely to achieve it, of course. And so it's been fun to think, okay, how long will it take me to get to 1,000 people? I know I'll get there, but I'm hoping it doesn't take <laughs> years and years. But I started this program about two years ago, so okay. uh, that's my mission right now. Okay. And oh, I love that. Yeah. And to think about you reaching 500 people, too, I was like, Wow, that's like that's that's so amazing that you've spread your message to five hundred and I certainly know that the you'll reach that goal of a thousand because um of who you are and how you make people feel and the mess they need to hear this message as well. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And I need to keep hearing it. That's why I keep doing the program <laughs> because it's easy to get bogged down. It's easy to get negative there's a lot of negative influences out there and it's hard to stay positive so i find that teaching it over and over again has really helped me as well yeah i um i read something today about um whether you write it down um you say it in a prayer it may have been i'm trying to think if it was your your recent journaling post it may have been in your journaling post if you say it um, in a prayer if you write it down or um just the intentional thinking of the positivity it will again just kind of become part of your vibe mm-hmm. and just um, get it out there because there is so much that could bog us down but we are all about taking care of ourselves and making sure that we have our oxygen mask on before we can do anything else for anybody else exactly so if if somebody was interested in getting you connected with their community what's the best way for them to reach out to you I have a website it's kristensmithmyers.com so it's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-S-M-I-T-H-M-Y-E-R-S.com. There people can find my pep talk blog. They're welcome to subscribe. I have a newsletter that goes out twice a week. I also have a page on speaking that has information on the power of positivity and the other programs that I have. There's a whole bunch of information. I have some resources, and it also has my social media links there on Instagram and on Facebook. I'm Kristen Smith-Myers on both of those as well. 
Okay, that's great. We will have those all down in the show notes. Perfect. I appreciate you helping me uh, share a positive word, and thank you for having me. Oh, Kristen, really, we enjoyed having you. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom, and it is true wisdom. Um, And um, I hope that we get to see you soon in person. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That sounds great. I look forward to it. Thanks for your podcast. I'm glad you're doing this work. Oh, thank you. All right, thanks for being here today, Kristen. Thank you. Okay. Okay. All right, we are back. This is Amy, and Kim is here with me, and we are here to just talk about how incredible this episode was with Kristen Smith Myers and our own takeaways from it. Kim, what did you think? Uh, I loved everything that she said. There was so much information. What really struck me that I didn't realize before is that we are that 40% of our happiness is in our control and sometimes I forget that and I feel like it's more circumstances which she said that that's only 10% circumstances Mm -hmm. so realizing that um, not that I'm a big numbers person because I'm not but realizing that I have more control than I thought about my happiness that was a a big eye-opener and a reminder to me about that yeah I think the numbers um were very powerful I I do believe that it's the way we look at our circumstances and um you know something bad can be happening but it's the way we look at it and that informs how we feel and our positivity but the numbers were just so like I said powerful because 40 percent is is a lot so she was mentioning 50 percent is genetic 10% 10% are circumstances, mm-hmm. but 40% of our happiness is in our control. So I just, that's very powerful. It's a lot of control that we have over our happiness and yep. positivity that, like you said, yep. we often forget about when something comes up in life. Yep. One so. of the things that I try to remember is that 10% with the circumstances is that I try to remember that it's not personal. You know, that that, that if something's happening, if it's a, a like a... a upsetting situation I really try to turn around and realize that it's not personal mm-hmm. it may not be about me directly uh, it could just be somebody's having a bad day too so I just try to remember that in the moment yeah just so that I don't good. take a lot of it on myself yeah that's very good mm-hmm. yeah that's that self-preservation piece yeah. too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how about you Amy what did you take away from this so I really have two things. The one thing that she said when she's, we started the interview and she was talking about being a new mom, um, I thought was really incredible, <laughs> was asking for what you yes. need. Um, so even if the people around us can't aren't picking up on the fact that we're <laughs> overwhelmed yes. and need some time and space for ourselves, we they're not going to because they're not mind readers, right? And so we can become very um, upset and aggravated that, you know, maybe our spouse or a friend or a family member isn't noticing what we need. We really need to exercise our own voice and ask and advocate for ourselves for what we need and let them know what it is and then come up with a plan of how to achieve it. Because as a new mom, I remember Mm -hmm. it was intense. I mean, it was really hard to get five minutes to yourself. So... That was really... um, There was those moments of just it being hard. Yes. And I mean, you probably wore the same shirt. I know I did like three days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) With 
You're like, did I shower in the last week or what is happening here? And sometimes it is just saying, I need a shower. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Take this child. Yeah. It's funny because I just had a sip of water as we're talking and I, it reminded me, I actually, with my first, um, became, got dehydrated because I was not drinking enough water you know, when she was um, a newborn, she was colicky. It was a very stressful time, and I actually got dehydrated. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it's like, this you're right, it's the so simple awful. things in that yep. time. It's it's sleep, it's a shower, it's water, it's some food, <laughs> it's the basics. Um, but even now, you know, we need to remember to be asking for what we need. Yep. Um, so I also, I just loved our discussion on technology. (sighs) Oh, it's fabulous. It was great. Mm -hmm. So, um, Kristen had mentioned that we put technology in a higher place than it belongs. Mm -hmm. And just looking at the intentional use of technology, it is a wonderful tool. Obviously we're here on a podcast because of it, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, but it just, it really inspired us to create a five-day challenge for everyone. Yeah. So we will be kicking off with this episode a five-day challenge about the intentional use of technology. Yes. And how that really relates to self-care and um, mm-hmm. being positive throughout your day in, in this whole entire episode. So, yeah. And also, when you said numbers, one of the things that Kristen mentioned in uh, around numbers is that 95% of all text messages are read within three minutes. Yes. And I think that was one of the things that really hit us to say we need a little bit of a challenge here because yeah, um, we just have some ideas around how that's going to play out. So. Yeah, yeah. We're excited. Stay tuned. Stay mm-hmm. tuned. So check out, you'll see in the show notes of this episode, check out our Facebook page and find us on Instagram as well. And look for that challenge it's we're going to kick it off when this airs that same day and um we would love to have you join the join the event and and give us feedback after the event of how it went yeah and mm-hmm. how this challenge has helped you thanks for listening Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fill Your Cup First. We loved spending time with you. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember to fill your cup first. You deserve it.